hopefully inching closer and closer towards normalcy in a college football season. And who better to have on than Chip Patterson joining us here. CBS Sports, the host as well as the Cover 3 podcast. And he's joining us on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. And before we welcome on Chip, just a reminder, please do us a big solid. Take a moment out. Leave us a rating, review, subscribe. And we'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. Yes, we're hitting July 4th. The beer needs to be kept cold on the back porch. I know you need this. So we're sending you free Heartland College Sports koozies. If you leave us a rating and a review of the podcast, just send me a screenshot of the rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we'll get you that koozie in the mail. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, Chip, before we talk about the Big 12 in particular, I know that this is changing on a daily, weekly basis, but uh, right now, what do you think a college football season is going to look like? I think it's going to happen, first and foremost. All right, we like that. Yeah, I I think it's going to happen. My guess is that we will begin somewhat close to on time, but especially with um, the the Big 12 you know, reports that the Big 12 is considering uh, moving the, the championship game to allow for another week in case games need to be rescheduled. I think that that really brought my mind to the next step of understanding, yes, if I believe there's going to be a college football season, yes, if I believe it's probably going to start in early September, that does not mean that every single game is going to be able uh, to, to go off as scheduled. Now, like if I to take a step back from the – the global health crisis and its impact on uh, college football, which we love so much, there is, you know, some precedent for this, at least in terms of natural disasters, right? I mean, hurricanes have come before that have caused games to be rescheduled. And oftentimes they are played in that championship Saturday. If uh, the competitors are not in the conference championship, if the game is able to be rescheduled at all. So when the, with that report, I started to think in my head, Okay, uh, yes, I believe we can expect a college football season. Uh, yes, I believe it will start in September. And, and yes, I do think that many of the storylines that we are looking ahead into the season, considering much of the information that we're going to be, you know, devouring uh, when our Phil Steels come in the mail, you know, all of that stuff I think is still true. But the impact of uh, the coronavirus in terms of player availability on a week-to-week basis and the impact of the coronavirus in terms of the scheduling of the season within the season, I think all those are going to be huge unknowns that no one has any chance uh, to predict how much of an impact it's going to have, uh, the different wrinkles it will have throughout the national storylines. But I do believe we're going to have a season, and I do believe that the coronavirus's impact is going to be one of the biggest storylines of that season. No doubt about it. Now, Chip, let's talk about the uh, Big 12 here. I mean, it's Oklahoma's conference till somebody loses. They won five straight Big 12 titles. They have lost four conference games uh, in the regular season over that stretch. But if you can, I mean, take us through the case against Oklahoma this year. I think all right, so the case uh, against Oklahoma, in my eyes, is more of a case for um, uh, either Texas or Oklahoma State being able to close that gap because in Oklahoma's championship path, you know, there has been that one game, right? Like there's always been one slip up. It was Kansas state uh, last year. It's been Iowa state before, 
it doesn't happen in Bedlam normally, you know, but it, there are, there's normally one game where the Sooners get got. And if they're able to get got once, the question would be, uh, is it going to happen again? One of the things that has worked for Lincoln Riley and the Oklahoma Sooners in the Big 12 championship game era, still very, very young, but I think TCU coach Gary Patterson said it best. He said, you know, playing against Lincoln Riley is tough enough trying to play against them a second time you've got no chance <laughs> and that's the kind of advantage that Oklahoma has right there in terms of a, a an elite offensive game planner and play caller in Lincoln Riley but I, I'm definitely willing to consider that uh, Texas with Sam Ellinger leading the way and it's it can cut both ways here right because Tom Herman said all right we're going to change things up new OC new DC and I believe that that move with no spring practice probably sets them back. But at the same time, this is a Texas team that I look at them last year and a lot of them underwhelming and falling short of expectations really can be put on the personnel issues and the injuries that they suffered all along the depth chart, especially on the defensive side of the football. I was in Austin for the LSU Texas game and, you know, Texas was right there and that was week two. And it's so interesting how those two teams went on totally different trajectories the rest of the year. Uh, a bet on Texas is a bet on Sam Ellinger leading the way and a bet on some of those issues from last year really uh, kind of lowering their stock price. And mm -hmm. then, of course, for Oklahoma State, you know, you got Spencer Sanders, Tylen Wallace, Chuba Hubbard, returning starters all over the place. Uh, I think that there was maybe more confidence in being real bullish on Oklahoma State before Mike Gundy became one of the biggest headlines of the last uh, two or three weeks. But at the same time, those players are still there. And if those players are in the same pursuit of a Big 12 championship that Mike Gundy is, then I think you have to take them seriously just because on paper, man, it just they, they've got so few question marks when Oklahoma does have quite a few question marks, especially at the quarterback position. Yeah, no doubt about it. Chip Patterson is joining us, CBS Sports, host of the Cover 3 podcast. He's on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Chip, uh, the best of the rest. I mean, I, I feel like when you go to that – next level and some people might say well an Iowa State or a Baylor you know maybe they should be in that top tier that we just talked about but when you look at the best of the rest in the Big 12 I mean are you going to an Iowa State a Baylor a TCU a Kansas State I mean how do you how do you take that next tier of the Big 12 and try to divvy it up I like Iowa State and I like Kansas State but they both have issues and I, I might be a little bit off on this Pete I don't have my notes in front of me so let me know but I if I remember correctly off the top of my mind at Iowa State and Kansas State, one of the they both they both return quarterbacks. You know, Brock Purdy, we like him a whole lot. Yeah. Tyler Thompson, we believe he can be uh, very very effective, especially within the Kansas State offense. But aren't both those teams massive turnover on the offensive line? K State's turning over the whole line. Iowa State, a large portion of it. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, and that when I'm doing my preseason predictions, prognostications, power rankings, and what have you. When you're going to have to do that, that is something that's a little bit alarming. I mean, Breezy Hall came on late for the Cyclones, and I, I really like, you know, Matt Campbell, like a lot of people who, who look at him and, and have been able to see his training, you know, that, that D3 coming up as a player, the, the coaching experience, showing that you can win at all kinds of levels. Like, I, I really believe in Matt Campbell as a, as a successful coach at the Power 5 level. But when we're talking about trying to make the jump to close the gap with some of those teams at the top, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas, you know, that is a big question mark spot for me. But I do think that, you know, Iowa State and Kansas State 
are a couple that jump out to me. I'm willing to give Dave Aranda and Baylor a little bit of a reset year, even though I know they feel pretty good at the quarterback position and with some of the players that are left from uh, Matt Rule's team. It's just that I, so many of the key players, especially on the defensive side of the ball, have turned over that I, I think that I'm going to sit back and, and play a little bit of wait and see. If there's one team that I don't think is going to make a run at the top, but who I do think is uh, an interesting unknown, it's going to be Texas Tech. I'm a big Allen Bowman fan, and, and I'm starting to at least talk myself into the position that while Texas Tech is not going to be a team that is going to be contending for a spot in the Big 12 championship game, they might be good enough on offense that they can beat somebody who will. And that's just like a, a really fun wrinkle in the Big 12 championship mm-hmm. race. Yeah. Now, what, what do you make, Chip, of uh, Dave Aranda? I mean, you obviously follow the whole sport. So you know what he did at LSU? We all do. Uh, from the people that you've talked to, are they buying Dave Aranda as a head coach? Because we've seen stud coordinators not be able to make that transition uh, why do you think that Dave Aranda can or can't do it? I'm buying Dave Aranda as a head coach from my conversations with Dave Aranda. Uh, <laughs> okay. Extensive ones during the college football playoff, run to the college football playoff. I was at the Peach Bowl and I was at the national championship game. And as anybody who's been at any of those events knows, there's there's a lot of time that you get with the college football playoff participants. Like time where they're just sitting around looking to talk to anybody because everybody is, is going to be over here talking to Joe Burrow, right? They're going to be lined up like nine deep trying to get Joe Burrow quotes. And Coach O is getting, is getting crushed. But if you walk over and you go talk to Dave Aranda, I mean, you can get 20 minutes basically one-on-one with him. And I learned so much about Dave Aranda and his willingness to be flexible because of the adjustments that he made uh, to LSU's defense during the course of that national championship run. He discussed how he took a lot of ownership for their struggles early. You'll remember Ole Miss lit them up for like 600 yards. And at one point during the season, we were saying, yeah, LSU's got this great offense with Joe Burrow, but man, what happened to the LSU defense that we've come to know? And I, as an analyst, credited, credited some of that to some injury issues. They also had suspensions of Michael Divinity. But talking to Dave Aranda, Dave Aranda was saying like, look, I, I wasn't doing the right job of getting my players ready to play in a defense opposite that kind of offense. I mean, most of LSU's touchdown drives were happening in three minutes or less. They did not have a ton of time on the sidelines. They were getting exhausted by the end of the game, by the end of the games. And so he was able to say, look, I need to change the way that I coach this group. I need to change the way that I get this group ready. And he was able to really turn things around the Texas A&M game uh, at the end of the season, the Georgia game, uh, you know, obviously Oklahoma, that LSU defense was phenomenal. And then what did they do? They just went up against Trevor Lawrence and that defense did such a good job that Trevor Lawrence lost for the first time as a college football starter. Mm -hmm. So the way that he was able to recognize LSU's defensive shortcomings, take ownership for the changes that needed to be made, and leave that group to elevate its level of play to that championship status for the conclusion to the season. And that's, that's what you need to be able to do because if you're stubborn and if you're stuck in your ways, you're not going to be a successful leader of a modern college football program. No doubt about it. We're being joined by Chip Patterson of CBS sports host of the cover three podcast at chip. Neil Brown has a, you know, he closed year one on a strong note, winning two of three with Jarrett Diggy at quarterback. 
a big picture, are you buying Neil Brown turning around that program in Morgantown? Yeah, he can. He certainly can. I, I think the biggest struggle for Neil Brown turning around the West Virginia program is trying to define what turned around is with West Virginia's time in the Big 12. If we judge West Virginia by its time in the Big 12 and not by some of its peaks in the Big East when it was playing in BCS bowl games and near the top of the BCS rankings near the end of the season, but if we judge them instead uh, sort of from the exclusive lens of what they've done in the Big 12, there's there's a little bit of a ceiling. And it's a ceiling that's probably short of what a West Virginia season ticket holder would like to see. But I think that Neil Brown can absolutely get West Virginia to the point where it is competitive in the Big 12, to the point where it is regularly going to bowl games. But there's another level beyond that, and that is championship contention. And West Virginia, in, the, in its time in the Big 12, has very rarely flirted with being a threat to those teams at the very top of the conference. And I, I don't know if I would set my expectations there. I think that Neil Brown's great challenge is trying to figure out and carve out the program's place within this league because in the big picture, it's still very, very new. Where do you think, Chip, as someone that covers the entire uh, sport, where is the Big 12 right now in the hierarchy of, of college football in terms of how you, you break down these conferences? Or is that just one of those uh, classic talking head conversations that gets too much attention? Classic talking head conversation that gets too much <laughs> attention because it, it, it extends uh, a certain amount of like reputation and clout to some universities that are simply not on the same footing as others. Mm-hmm. You know, even in the mighty SEC, that's there's some programs that if they're just floating on being an SEC program, they are riding in the wake of programs that are leading the way. And, you know, you could also flip it on, on its head and say, yeah, but, you know, in some, prog- in some conferences that you might consider, uh, you know, second tier. Like, so let's say, for example, because w- this is what happens. Everyone says SEC and Big Ten are always battling for the best conference in college football. And everybody puts Big 12 and ACC on the second tier. And everybody throws the Pac-12 on the third tier. And then, of course, you drop down into the group of five. And I think that that's unfair to the Big 12 and the ACC because Oklahoma and Clemson are championship programs. And I think that that is looking at the Big 10 and the SEC and ignoring that in those bloated 14-team conferences, there might be a few that are not upholding that same championship standard as you're getting from the teams that are at the top, leading to them being considered among the best in college football. I believe that the difference is not between Power 5 conferences. The difference is between those Power 5 conferences and the rest of college football. And last thing on that, do you think, though, that the Big 12 should be getting more, uh, maybe attention's the wrong word, but more credit for playing a true round robin and having a one versus two in the championship game? Does that get overlooked when you got, as you mentioned, some of these bloated 14-team conferences and you'll, you know, you'll see a team on the other side of the division twice every seven years? Well, it's, it's also hurting everybody but Oklahoma because of what I said earlier. True. <laughs> Who's going to beat Lincoln twice? True. Who is going to beat Lincoln twice? Every, everyone in that league is, we should be banging their fists trying to figure out a new scheduling format because <laughs> what people, the, the true round robin with a one-versus-two championship game 
what is it? What do y'all call it? One true champion. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets you that one true champion. That's Oklahoma. Everything. <laughs> I'll give you that. He's Chip Patterson, CBS sports does a great job with the cover three podcast. Chip, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate the perspective. And uh, we'll talk to you as the season gets going. All right, Pete. Y'all be well. Really appreciate Chip Patterson. Please guys take a second out before you close out, leave us a rating review, subscribe to the podcast. It helps us tremendously. And we'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. If you do that, just send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And we'll get the koozie in the mail. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great week.